0: We will continue our sermon sessions in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We are found in chapter 19, and the portion of scripture for this session will be verses 1 through verse 15. Here, of course, is the witnessed and recorded account of our Lord and Master during His final hour, in which He will permit Himself to die on a cruel Roman cross for the forgiveness of mankind, all who seek that redemption, the freely given gift of the Gospel. And as has been recorded the moments leading to this context, we have recognized betrayal, and we have recognized uh, the harsh hostility of the religious leaders of the day uh, who sought to destroy Jesus, uh, to have him removed, and the measurement of persecution that had been thrown towards him, sadly, a man, of course, who brought forth love, And compassion, grace, and mercy, and the strength and authority of His Word, so that mankind would choose to change the way they think in order to change the direction of their life and become productive as legal citizens of His kingdom. And the people in which the message was proclaimed should have received that. They should have been capable of discerning the messianic texts of the scriptures they were born and raised within. The covenant promised that they were uh, 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 of a people united, recognizing that this man is indeed uh, the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen savior and king. But in their corruption and pride, They had since created the Christ in their own image. And when Jesus walked this earth in the image of the Scripture, through the penmanship of the Holy Spirit God breathed, they found contradiction. No, he is not the man we sought forth in our image, which should have been born of a socio-political prestige. He should have been one of us. And of course, they chose to test him throughout His ministry on which side he would take. Are you a Sadducee or are you a Pharisee? Are you part of the Sanhedrin? You should have been brought up in the proper preaching school through the foot and seating of Gamaliel. But yet, a man from Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? A carpenter? The son of a carpenter? What a lowly, humble birth and upbringing. No, he cannot be in the... We wanted a socio-political power with a physical sword to slay down our enemies, the Romans. But Christ came speaking of a spiritual kingdom that could never be destroyed by the hands of men. He was not in the image in which they had created. In it may I, may I extend uh, your way that this day that same corruption exists, a great in a great many believers who have since created Christianity in their own desire, their own image of what they interpret it to be for their selfish ambitions. And sadly, some fall prey, recruited and devoured by those images of what they call Christianity in the ocean of what we call Christendom. And so that moment, of course, is brought forth In its peak, where the ways of man, which are lawless and sinful, chose to destroy the Christ. And we will begin in verse 1 and move forward, as together we seek the context and understanding. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. Friends, that is indeed a violent, painful ordeal, one in which would have torn the flesh and caused much pain. And in the Roman realm, there were three facets of this scourging, if you will, and they held three different descriptions and words. The third, if in a measurement, if you will, the first would have been less severe, the second more so severe, and the third level of this flogging or scourging would have been the most severe, if you will. And there is debate among scholars as to which level of measurement the Romans utilized. In all aspects, my dear friends, it was punishment upon an innocent man. And they tore his flesh, and there was no legal right to do so. Verse 2. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. This is, of course, mockery. They are mocking him. We have seen the mockery and the mistreatment prior to chapter 19 in regards to the Sanhedrin and his own kind and culture, the Jewish people when they practiced illegal proceedings against him and delivered him, of course, to the hands of the godless, the pagan, the heathen, the Roman, for this now persecution to further grow upon him as the recipient. Soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns because we know that the charge was, well, he claims to be a king! And so let's mock him as a king. Oh, so you're a king, are you? (laughs) And so they further mock him and hurt him, an innocent man. And they began to come up to him in verse 3 and say, Hail King of the Jews! And to give him slaps in the face. I don't know which one is most offensive. I think I'd much rather have you punch me in the nose than slap me in the face. That is according to my Western mind, perhaps, my culture. I don't know. I would take greater offense. If you slap me in the face, then if you just punch me in the nose. They slapped him, and they mocked him, and they ridiculed him. Godless men. Believers, known to be the kingdom of God through the Hebrew covenant with the promise, delivered one of their own to the opposition, to the enemy. The very image they sought to destroy. We must destroy the Romans. But now we're friends with the Romans. We recognize that in our own corrupted sociopolitical affairs of today's world. Oh, there's opposition. Then there's opposition. And we can't get along. But then they find a mutual enemy. And they become friends real quick, don't they? They began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews! And to give him slaps in the face. And in their deep position of lawlessness... They don't recognize that they are speaking truth, yet with the corruption of an evil heart towards the man, which of course can be bled in a great many principles we recognize. Even the devil can quote this book. The devil will buy you a Bible. He's very good at that. It's to manipulate it according to his agenda and his image. Here, of course, those who are affiliated with lawlessness, ignorant of the highest order, are mocking him. Pilate came out again, in verse 4, and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you, so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Again, we recognize how even the heathen can discern no guilt in this man. Now, Pilate has no heart for Jesus. He don't care much about the Jews. It's of a lower... uh, species in his mind. He is of a superstitious person. He's a pagan. He's a heathen. In his realm, he is God. So the only threat he thought he was hearing is that this man is claiming to be God or claiming to be a king. There is no other king but Caesar. And I am a God. For when mankind chooses to neglect or reject the existence of the great I Am, what do you think we do? We make ourselves out to be gods we make bad gods, don't we? We become tyrants and oppressors and dictators, murderers and liars. Pilate came out again and said, I find no guilt in this man. It's not that he cares for Jesus. One iota. It's that he's just simply not seeing guilt in the man. It's not part of the proceedings. And would you know it? the heathen have a code and they have a law. And he's not going to go against that law. He finds no guilt in the man. Jesus then came out in verse 5 wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man, the one you so claim is your king. A mockery, a display of shame, for he would have been stripped naked when he was flogged. Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate says to them, Behold the man. And this is gruesome to its core of how lawless it is and vile treatment of an innocent man. It is indeed in the core source of socio political affairs and the governing policies of the day in which these things are taking place in such a corrupt manner. The Jews, of course. The Jews. Who should have been there to receive Jesus? They are allowing this proceeding to take place. They brought it forth. So when the chief priest in verse six and the official officers uh, saw him, they cry, cried out, saying, "Crucify, crucify!" They want Jesus murdered. Bloodlust. They've lost all self-control and sobriety of mind. They want to murder one of their own, who could control the weather, raise the dead, cast out demons, heal the sick and make whole the lame, and know the inner mind of a man in a way that we cannot measure. Yeah, let's murder the man, shall we? His own culture and people... The chief priest, the Sanhedrin, the location in which Judaism would have had its traditions and laws spoken and policies enforced. So when the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify! Crucify! You see, the first guilt charge towards Christ was that he was the king of the Jews. He claims to be a king. He claims to be a god. That's disorderly in our fashion, and so we cannot accept this. But you'll see how the charge will change. Because it's not a matter of finding him guilty of what he truly would be found guilty of. He's innocent, so they must change the charge in accordance to have him murdered. We'll see. You'll see. Pilate himself says, I find no guilt in the man. The Jews answered, well, we do. We want him crucified. So Pilate says, then we'll take him yourselves and crucify him. You see, Pilate had been trying to... Remove himself from this ordeal. It's your business. He's an innocent man. Why bother the powers and principles of the Roman Empire with your Judaism? Take him yourselves and crucify him. The frustration in Pilate being bothered by these pests. Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. He don't care if he live or die, but Pilate wants to stay true to the code. I find no guilt in him. You all take offense because he claims to be your king. He's not my king. So the Jews answered him in verse 7. We have a law, and by that law he ought to die. "...because he made himself out to be the Son of God." Oh, so the charge changes, doesn't it? Prior to this moment, would you know it, that the offense in which they produced to the Roman Empire was, well, he claims to be a king. That's an offense against the kings of the Roman Empire, is it not? We find no guilt in him. He doesn't claim to be our king. He's not our king. He's your king. You get rid of him. Well, uh, all right, guys, we need to change the charge. Well, uh, blasphemy. He's violating Leviticus. That's what he's doing. Oh, the devil knows how to use the Bible. I assure you. Demons believe. Oh yeah, they're going to do book, chapter, and verse right now to prove that Jesus is a blasphemer. And you see, the Roman Empire, peace in Rome, cannot allow an uprising from the Jewish nation. Turmoil in the streets? Oh, man, Caesar won't permit that. I'll have my head on a plaque. No way, Jose. (laughs) The Jews answered him, We have a law. And by that law, he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the son of God, which is blasphemy, and has a policy to be enforced, which is the stoning Capital punishment stoning, but of course we know capital punishment is held within the authority and power of the Roman principle. And so the Jews need the Roman hand in order to proceed forward with murdering Jesus. Verse 8, therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He don't care about the Jews. He don't care about Jesus. Everything here is carnal and materialistic in the mind of a pagan. He's thinking, well now what am I going to do? I can't allow turmoil, civil unrest, or war even, civil war, take place under the banner of peace in Rome. Then I'll have to seek counsel at my superiors in which my life and my authority and task and office might be called into question. I can't allow that. If these Jews claim that there has been a violation of their law, I know there's going to be some uh, unrest and some problems in the community. And what is it to me ultimately? Well, not much other than the fact that he's a superstitious man. And he believes in all sorts of superstitions. I mean, they claim that this man was a divine power. That he could produce supernatural activities. What we know as miracles. A breach of the natural order. Things that cannot be ever explained by nature. Or natural realm in which you and I, of course, are submissive to. Of course the pagan mind would have been superstitious of his powers. The things that were being whispered in the grapevine of what this man could do. I find him innocent. I don't want any problems with this individual. But here come the Jews. Well, let's change the charge. Blasphemy! He violated our law. Remember, friends, the devil knows how to quote book, chapter, and verse. I could be found in a garage... With a wrench. It don't make me a mechanic. (laughs) It don't. I could even have the clothing of a mechanic. How do we discern who is truly the mechanic and who is not? Just because we hold the Bible and we claim to go to church don't necessarily make us faithful Christians, does it? These individuals were known in the community as religious leaders, loyal, faithful families. There is ancestral lineage and emotional investment with these religious leaders. They had their loyalists, they were trusted, they were loved. For centuries their custom and tradition in Judaism was being upheld. How close to heart? The equivalent of Christ walking today here in this establishment looking at us and saying, Repent, you're all lost. Get this man out of here. We're Christians, aren't we? We are born again. How dare he say such a thing? How dare he question our salvation? I believe in God. How dare he say that? I know I'm saved. I felt it. The first recorded words of our Lord and Master in Matthew chapter 4 was repent. He's speaking to people of God. Why would they need to repent? They have the Abrahamic badge. Their ancestry goes back to Abraham. They're people of the covenant. What do you mean they're lost? That's an impossible thought. I I refuse to even fathom the, fathom the thought that I'm lost. Pride. Pride. What if what you've been taught all these years from people you trust and love as religious leaders have led you astray? I assure you they know how to Quote, book, chapter, and verse. A thought. We can know, of course, the difference. And we can discern the difference. We keep moving forward. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium, which is the governor's official residence. You may have a footnote that would say such. So he enters into the praetorium again and says to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Now, in the superstitious mind of a pagan, a heathen, themselves image of pride and uh, gods on earth, if you will, his thought is not geographically. He's not asking Jesus, From which geographical location do you come from? He's asking him, Are you of a divine God? Are you a God? Are you of a divine presence? They speak of you in such a way. Ah, the Jews. So Pilate says to him, because Christ would not answer, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you? And I have authority to crucify you. Interesting. A man, the created, speaking in such engagement to God on earth, the son of the creator. Pilate, of course, must have had a hint of frustration to which why Christ would not answer him. Well, Jesus answers him, doesn't he not? In verse 11. You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Powerful words. Pilate I know you think you're in charge, and nothing will deviate you from that conscience. for you are firmly rooted in your rebellion, you are stiff-necked, and the only thing you can see is materialistic, naturalistic realm. You can't think spiritually. But the only reason you are permitted to execute me is because it has been permitted to you from a greater power. Ultimately, by what power does Canadian government have, in policy enforced, to send anyone to jail for a crime? Or in the age in which capital punishment was actually being upheld? What power would have ever given a people that form of consequence? To a murderer who gets caught and has life in imprisonment, or capital punishment, execution. Whoever g- If there is no God... We make ourselves out to be gods. But if there is a higher power, then the ordinance of law and policies to be enforced must come from that divine source. You see, Pilate, you are permitted to do what you do because of a higher power. It's been permitted to you at this moment. And of course, it's for the fulfillment of redemption for mankind. But would you know it, that Pilate... Of free will. As we are all free willed agents, do not be deceived by anyone trying to mislead you and thinking that you do not have control of your thoughts and that you do not have free will. That is a lie. You do. It's a blessing. It's a gift. You can choose to get up and leave. You can stay sitting and listen. You can... Look, I'm thinking. Look what I'm doing. I'm doing this. I can think. I have a free will. "...you would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above for this reason. He who delivered me to you has the greater sin." Well, who is this individual in which would have a greater sin? Someone says, all sins are equal. All sins can lead you to eternal destruction. That is scriptural. But there are various degrees of consequences to all sins." Case in point, bit of an excursion for your thoughts, challenging us. <coughs> the eight-year-old child walks into a store with you. As you are not paying attention to the child, he takes a pack of gum and puts it in his pocket. He's unaware of things. He just does that. You know? Then we're in the car, and he's like, look what I got. Where did you get that? I took it in the store. Oh, come with me. And we go in the store and we say, I'm so sorry. My, my, my son, he don't know best. He, he took this. Can I pay for it? We understand it. Thank you so much for being honest and bringing it back. You know what? Just make sure to tell him you can't steal. That's, that's bad. Okay. I'm, I'm so sorry. But what if it's a 32-year-old man? <laughs> or what if it is... A murderer. Do we size up the consequence of a murderer to an eight-year-old child who stole a pack of gum? Both are lawless. Both have committed a crime. But yet why is there a difference in the severity of consequence? Because justice. That's fine. So who would be descriptively known by Christ's word himself speaking of a greater sin, this individual? Well, there are various schools of thought and scholarly argument and debate over this very verse. It is my personal opinion that I would believe this man to be Judas Iscariot. However, some might say it's the Sanhedrin. Yet there's not a plurality to the individual. He says he. So that seems singular to me. So maybe it's not the Sanhedrin. Maybe it's Pilate. Well, no, that couldn't be right. Maybe it's Caiaphas. Caiaphas who sent to Pilate. Maybe Caiaphas is the conduit which brought Jesus It is my personal opinion that he is speaking of Judas. And why would Judas be the one held with a greater sin? Because Judas was his best friend and should have known better. Why is it that as a parent, my consequence towards uh, a younger, my younger uh, son would be different than my older son? Because my older son has lived enough years to understand and to know better. You see, he's become accountable, independent. And he should know better. Judas should have known better. A man that loved him, that gave him all sorts of spiritual blessings. Food for thought, challenge for the mind. We continue, verse 12. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. He made efforts to release Jesus Christ. Uh, A Roman... But the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Oh man, they're trying, aren't they? They're really pulling out all the punches here. They know the Roman power don't have much, uh, how should I say, honor and respect for the Jews. So they must now turn the narrative towards an offense and hostility towards the power that they are being governed by, Caesar. So as a result of this, of course, the Jews, if you will release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Oh man, look at all the charges here. Therefore, verse 13, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Pavement. But in Hebrew, it's called Gebetha or Gebatha. I don't know how to pronounce that properly, but... Dabatha. Yeah, that makes sense. Dabatha. How it was, or now, sorry, verse 14, Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the 6th hour, and you may have a footnote saying 6 a.m., and he said to the Jews, Well, behold your king! (laughs) Pride, self-righteousness, hypocrisy, corruption will have you so blind. The Jews wanted Jesus to destroy the Roman power. And here they are, claiming offense against Caesar, taking place by the hands of Jesus, speaking all manners of idiocy, if you will, and foolishness, to have an innocent man murdered. So they cried out, in verse 15, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? Well, the chief priest answered, and pay attention to this we have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. How far believers can fall away from our Lord's dear grace to have been born in the lineage of promise, blessed with the law, since corrupted with their own self-righteous desires and ambitions, they would twist and wrongly handle the scripture to their agenda. And they had built so many ordinances and oppressions on the people, some in which they wouldn't even uphold themselves. And now they bring the son of man, To be murdered, and they speak their allegiance to whom really they follow. The Prince of the Air. Caesar, they say. We have no king but Caesar. Of course, there would have been some of these Jews who would have heard the message shortly recorded and witnessed in the book of acts chapter 1 and 2 the message in which the apostles who had the governing power of the holy spirit they were miraculously endowed by the outpouring power picture a cup with water being poured out they had the outpouring power the water of that holy spirit upon their minds these chosen vessels 12 vessels as recorded "...rose among the people, and proclaimed the message of the death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension of the Christ. And they spoke of the guilt that was on the hands of the Jews, for they had murdered the Son of God. And some, a small portion, some were pierced." I can't believe we did that. How did they receive such a piercing, such a belief? Because of the evidence that was provided to them from the apostles, through the scriptures... You murdered the Son of Man. We did. We had blood on our hands. They broke down. They believed. What shall we do? Was the message, of course, asked to the apostles. And they were told. They were told what to do. And so even to those who were there in the first century who had blood on their hands in that age, were capable of receiving forgiveness. That is a true will and testament to the power of God. That He allowed these things to take place by His own culture and people. He died as much for the friend as He did for the foe. He loved his enemies. He loved those who were bringing him to his death. And he fulfilled the gospel plan. And all who sought to be saved by Jesus Christ were given the opportunity in their accountability with the intellectual thinking mind to receive and believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever shall believe in him need not perish. You don't need to die twice. Once is enough for me. I don't don't want to die twice. Uh, Once is enough for me. To be saved by grace through faith. What shall we do? Men and brethren, they asked in Acts chapter 2, what shall we do? Well, you can't meritoriously earn your salvation. You can't boast of any works. Well, he better save me. I've helped a whole bunch of old ladies cross the street. (laughs) That makes me a good person, doesn't it? He better save me. You know, there are religious views that proclaim that message in that fashion. But that's not what this book says. We must call on his name. That's what this book says. Do you? Believe in Jesus Christ and He is the Son of Man? Yes, I do. Are you willing to change your thoughts, your mind, what is commonly called in the Scriptures repentance? Yes, of course. I no longer want to practice sin. I no longer want to live in sin. I no longer want to be found guilty of it and, and, and burdened with eternal destruction. I. Would, would you confess Christ as your Lord and Master? Are you ashamed of Him? No, no, I, He is my Lord and Master. You qualify. This book says you qualify. You qualify to call on His name as you, in a humble, submissive way, give your life to Him. And you are born again. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are born again out of water and with the Spirit. God adds you to His kingdom. As a legal citizen. You see, because Peter and the apostles had been given the keys. And the keys are the conditions. And the conditions had been bestowed upon them through the governance of the Holy Spirit. Even to those who were saying, we have no king but Caesar. Imagine the piercing of the heart some of them had in their humble moment on the day of Pentecost recorded in Acts chapter 2. How could you live with such a pain? I murdered an innocent man. How do, you, how do you sleep at night? Well, you don't until you find out a way to make it right. And they were given the manner in which things could be made right. And of course, that very freely given gift of the gospel, salvation, forgiveness of sins, is available to all mankind. And it is available to all who listen to this message. How humble are we? How submissive are we to the love of our Lord and Master? Enough to believe in Him and allow ourselves in a very passive way to be plunged, to be dipped, to be submerged, to be immersed and clothed and buried? How will we ever... Raised with Christ if we don't go to his tomb. We must go to his tomb. And therein the power of the word revealed, and the session coming to its close. We will keep the next portion, Lord willing, next Sunday, as we go into the very moments of crucifixion. Josh, if you would lead us in our final song please.